Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 10th chapter. Jesus continued speaking to the 12, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward, and whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you all to be seated. So, today's today's sermon is one that deals with challenging things, but we're we're facing a, a week after a meeting that contained a lot of challenging things. And and so we find ourselves in Matthew 10. Jesus gathers and sends his disciples into the surrounding areas to cure the sick and raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. He sent them to do these things as evidence of what he compelled them to proclaim as they went, God has come near. Jesus charges the disciples to proclaim God's kingdom, cure and raise dead folks, and he warns them that it's not all going to be candy and roses, and in fact, that not everyone has ears to hear what, about what God's nearness brings. And it doesn't seem to bother Jesus a bit that some will hear and some won't. What Jesus seems concerned with is that they go out and do the work that's set before them. Then, as we move on in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus proclaims woe to cities and says it'll be, you know, if Tyre and Sidon or Sodom had seen the signs and wonders that that you've seen before you that I've done, they would have repented, but you, woe to you. And so it's, it's another one of Jesus' pep talks. But when he does this, he finally offers a vision of God's nearness for those who needs what he brings. Are you tired of injustice? Are the powerful bearing down upon your very soul? Come to me if you're tired or carrying heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Hear my teaching and learn what I have to share about God's love. God is near to me, so I'm gentle and humble of heart. This makes the burden of my commandments light and the weight of my teaching easy, because this is what God's nearness is like. Following me will give you rest for your soul. Jesus offers at the end of chapter 10 what he hints at at this portion of it, a cup of cold water for those who are thirsty, and the ability to think even in the midst of their issues and problems and quarreling and all the rest of it, that there is hope for new life and reconciliation, even in the midst of all of that. And this week, rest for my soul is something that I'm really looking for, as uh, I'll leave here today, run by the house and make sure everything's okay, and then join Lauren and Willow at the beach. And I am looking forward to some rest. But I knew last week's congregational meeting was going to be challenging. And I knew it would leave the feelings that I heard all week long. People disclosed to me that the meeting was hard and heart-wrenching, challenging, disappointed, and somewhat hopeful. And for those of you all who weren't there, it's because we talked really honestly about some of the ways we need to uh, fund some of the deficit this year, because like a lot of congregations, we're facing some budget deficit. And so a proposition was put before the congregation to use a certain amount, we voted for $28,000 of some of the endowment's interest to fund operational expenses as we need it. This doesn't mean the council is going to say, yay, we're going to spend $28,000. What this means is that through careful planning, 
the leadership of our President Bob May and, and all those people on the council, as we need it, we're going to use that money as a cushion and hopefully just work through some of the challenges that we have before us. This is something that we can face and we can succeed in. And being really honest about the fact that it was hard, I think, is very important. And all those things are true. And because I knew it was true, and because I knew people needed to talk about it, I did spend a lot of time talking to people about their experience. Those who voted against allowing the endowment interest to be used for operating expenses, I talked to them. I visited some in their home. I spoke for, to those who voted for it. I talked to them too. Didn't visit any of them in their homes. I called people I knew were upset, and I visited those who were having the hardest time figuring out how to respond faithfully in the face of such a different, difficult conversation, and to them, a hard decision. And I'm here to, with you today, and not yet on vacation, because I knew I needed to be here with you today for worship, because this is what it means to be the church. We face hard things together, and we don't bury our hurt hoping it will just go away. And maybe this, the most important lesson I've learned in my entire life is that nothing heals when we hide it or ignore it. For about three weeks recently, I had what I thought was a scrape on my leg, and it wouldn't heal. I cleaned the area around it, and I put a bandage on it, but nothing seemed to do the trick. And <clears throat> it, my dermatologist told me it's some sort of fungal weirdness, which I assume is a technical term and it wouldn't start healing until I began to actually treat it as he directed. It's a little ugly and embarrassing, but because I'm addressing it and not ignoring it, it's healing. And hurtful moments in the church are like this too. It is the most common mistake we make as human beings to hide the pain we feel and cause. And to be honest, it's easy to get talked into hiding it. It's also easy for me to believe my own experience and relative success in ministry makes me an expert in all situations. Mia culpa, I too am human. And you know what I hate more than anything most of the time? People who tell me they're experts. We confess that we're captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. These aren't just words on a page, but they're some of the most important words of my faith. They're words that I speak when I know the best thing I can do is to be dead on, dead on honest, but there's really nothing I value more than the truth. In all sincerity, I'd rather people tell me the truth about what they think about me or my decisions or how, the, how, the, how things are going in the congregation or how things are going with them than, than to blow smoke and be polite. I'd rather correction be in private. But you know what? Hearing it publicly can provide healing too. I consider the truth a gift of immense worth, and it's especially when it's about things I said or did. Now, what I'm sharing is challenging, and I need you to bear with me to the end, because we need to speak in the light what we'd rather hide in the dark. Secrecy breeds shame. Careful honesty brings healing. As I was speaking to people this week, someone gave me a gift as I sat in their house. They told me in no uncertain terms, as plainly as they could, that they're still deeply wounded because I acted callously in September 2021. They pointed out how my, how my actions reflected parts of myself, and my own shortcomings that I work very hard to overcome through therapy and prayer. They're still hurt. And, it's, and because I felt like I was correcting, and, and, because, and it was because they felt like I was correcting in public something that should have been done in private. More, they disclosed to me that it, is still, it still affects them. And it affects their sense of belonging at St. John. 
To be really frank, I think this is now the biggest regret of my entire life because I failed to make the true reconciliation that they deserved, and I failed to bring them peace. And in so doing, I failed to bring peace with myself as well. Aside from the fact of it, the biggest regret about it is that I followed advice that I thought was maybe bad to the start, and it was something along the lines of, well, let it lie, it'll calm down and, re and resolve itself. And because I followed that advice, and it was easier, it left those I hurt feeling left out and ignored, because when we hurt someone, nothing ever resolves itself. Nothing resolves without the sincere attempt for reconciliation rooted in truth. I listen to hard truths about how this person feels to this day. I find I'm also grieving because it's been so long and it's been messier and it's been more complicated. And it's so much more so than if I had been gentle and humble of heart in the face of my own grave errors. And so this has been a really messy week from the start of it. So now what? What do we do with this? How do we move on when we hear that there is pain and there is frustration and there is anger and there is hurt? How do we move on when we know that some of it we're the cause of and some of it we aren't able to avoid? I say this here today in the pulpit because I value two things above everything else. Integrity and relationships and speaking the truth as far as I'm able. I value these things more than reputation, more than my pride, more than just about anything. And because healing cannot happen without directly treating the underlying problem, I share this today because integrity in relationships requires a high degree of accountability. Pastoral ministry demands it even more. And one of the reasons congregations have trouble with conflicts and disagreements is that pastors very rarely expose themselves to the kind of accountability that it takes to bring true healing. We hide too. And in doing so, we model the very behavior that keeps things going in the background under the surface that hurt for years. And I share this today precisely because an opportunity to make a sincere attempt to heal this presented itself after nearly two years because someone had the courage to tell me the truth about their hurt. For their sake and my own, I can't let this opportunity pass us by and live in more regret with that. And so this is my promise today. Whatever I can do to heal this, I will. Now, also hear this. In order for us to move forward from the hardest conversations we have as a congregation, especially like the conversation last week in which people bore their souls and spoke from the heart, the, we have to be willing to be as courageous in our honesty with each other as this person was with me this week. Jesus said last week that he didn't come to bring peace, he came to bring a sword. His sword is the truth about how the way we treat each other can bring God near, and it reveals to us the truth that how we treat each other can make God feel infinitely distant. It's a sword because honesty is hard, and a lot of times it's really scary. But at the same time, someone told me this week that they're thirsty. I hope that being really honest about this provides them with some cold water so we can move toward reconciliation. I hope, too, that in modeling this riskiest form of honesty I can muster, our congregation can take from this a way to heal from some of the things that still need to be treated among us so we can continue to grow in faith, hope, and love in the name of the one who calls us not only to confess but to forgive. 
The road ahead is one that will travel well together. It's, it's not one that I think is going to be entirely easy because people are going to disagree and be upset about how we handle some things and other people are going to be really happy about it. But at the end of the day, I call us to model as best we can one of the very best qualities this congregation has in every conversation we have, whether it's about money or people or ministry or anything else that we're about, one of the most important things that I hear is a value in St. John is caring for the people. We care about the people before we care about the money. We care about the people before we care about the programs. We care about the people even when we're concerned in our bones about some of the things that cause us dread. And it's this love for each other that brings not only the, the success in, in terms of you know, persisting as a congregation, but it brings us success in the attempts we make to follow Jesus. Because in caring about people first and making God's love the first priority, we answer Jesus in a way that many people are afraid to, and we can be afraid too. We answer Jesus by risking everything so that we might gain that sense of nearness for God. Amen.